Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. While the world is all gloomy and full of despair, one thing that might help you is comfy loungewear. But I mean, it won't help with a war or, you know, a raging disease. But it will help you sit on your bottom with enjoyment and ease. Ooh, British boxers, they sell lovely pants and pajamas. Ooh, British boxers, which might help you deal with global dramas. Ooh, British boxers, they are a really nice sort. So go check their range from t-shirts to boxer shorts. British Box is a very ethically lovely lounger and underwear company who just the other week went viral on Twitter for posting swears about Nigel Farage. So what more could you want? And with the code PARPOLBRO15, you get 15% off any order what you do on their site at british-boxes.com. So don't just forget that while everything out there seems quite mad That some things might be pants and yet also not bad Oh, British boxers British boxers don't sell boxers So please don't try to buy any of your favourite boxing legends from their website Or they will ignore your email Barry McGuigan is not for purchase Will you please stop contacting them to ask? Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that can actually be compared to the invasion of Ukraine in that no one wanted it, but it's here anyway and the British government don't seem very compelled to stop it. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and this week as Chancellor Rishi Sunak, a man who appears to forever be in the wrong aspect ratio, says he will help with costs where he can. I say, well, Rishi's a multi-millionaire, so I think that means we can all, like all of us all at once, send our heating bills directly to him and tell the energy companies to put them in his name, and I'm sure he'll sort them out. Stories win votes, as someone clever once said. No, you Google it, I'm not your dad. But the art of political storytelling is to manipulate voters' emotions with assurances and slogans that policies will make their lives better. The other parties, though, will make their lives worse. We're definitely not the idiots you think we are. And hey, look at this big bus. Everyone loves a bus. No, you can't have one for your area. You can just look at this one, and that will have to do. The Conservative Party for many years have only ever really had the skill of creating political narratives and maybe also the ability to age more rapidly than the average human but in face alone. And that has, or the first bit at least in turn, allowed them to keep getting voted in again and again despite not being able to do much else of any use except possibly increase cardboard box usage, keep horses warm and increase jobs for morgue workers. 
But perhaps the Conservative story has now gone on for too long. I mean, ofs. Or maybe they cut the continuity team's jobs years ago for cost-saving, because their political storytelling is now, and has been for quite some time, confusingly contradicting of things that happened before. Sometimes only by mere days or hours, and they haven't even pretended it's to do with cracks in the multiverse or a magical spell gone wrong. Though with the latter, that could explain why everyone in 2019 had a memory loss as to who they were and voted the Conservatives in again on the premise that it was time for a change, despite them already being in power for nine years. Still, I suppose it could have been worse, and we could have had three Conservative leaders all at once working together, inflatable tent filled with silage Boris Johnson, the only discovered petrified human Theresa May, an early rejected attempt at lab-created meat David Cameron. Though, of course, the idea that any of them would teach each other that with great power comes great responsibility is far less believable than anything else. The Tory Spring Conference took place this weekend in Blackpool, which is an ideal location for a Prime Minister who, were he a theme park ride, would be known as the Big Fibber. Though I'm not sure anyone would want to go on a roller coaster that only ever plummeted downwards at faster and faster speeds, with zero unexpected twists and a ticket price that cost you far more than advertised. Boris Johnson's speech was, as you can expect, fucking shit. Oh, sorry, I meant to write something clever and witty there, but it was fucking shit. The part that everyone has mentioned was his comparison of the Ukrainians' fight to survive the onslaught from Russia as being exactly the same as Brexit. Many have been outraged at this, even though actually there are things that are comparable about the two situations. I mean, firstly, both Brexit and the Ukrainian invasion were supported by Russian president and face-swap of a plucked starling and a knee, Vladimir Putin. Secondly, the majority of the British public didn't understand either of them before they happened and until it was far too late. Thirdly, Brexit had a Leave campaign and Ukraine has a city called Lviv. And lastly, most importantly, the British government have managed to make both of them much, much worse than they needed to. But of course it is callous and deserved of outrage that the Prime Minister thinks a country holding a democratic vote to leave the European Union, which has since only really created jobs for what if the Microsoft paperclip practiced the dark arts, Jacob Rees-Mogg, somehow that is the same as a country that wants to join the EU and has been subject to a violent and brutal illegal invasion. It'd be akin to saying that time you had to wait in a queue for four hours to leave that festival you had a great time at is exactly the same as the plight of just-released political hostage of six years, Nazanin Zahari Ratcliffe, because after all, you both just wanted to go home. Which is also something that Johnson took credit for, obviously, claiming that the UK worked intensively to secure both Nazanin and Anusha Ashouri's release. Really? Does it take six years to make a bank transfer? Because if so, you really want to switch banks to one that uses the internet and no longer sends checks via donkeys. Both Nazanin Zahari Ratcliffe and Anusha Asuri's release came after the British government finally paid a £400 million debt to Iran that dated back to the 1970s for some tanks they bought from us and then we didn't send or refund them. Britain, the scam ticket touts of the world. The UK could have paid that money back at any time since the 1970s, but I guess didn't because, you know, that's a lot of coins to balance on a donkey and there was just no other way to do it till 2022. (laughs) Thank God for technology. Zahari Ratcliffe's detention in Iran was extended after Boris Johnson in 2016 mistakenly said she was teaching people in journalism instead of doing the charity work that she did, and he didn't bother retracting his words which were then used against her in a trial that led to her being condemned for a further five years. So I'm not sure how Johnson might think that was working intensely in her favour unless he was so aware of how shit he'd be making Britain during those years that he thought that was the best way to save her from it. 
It's unusual that Britain finally decided to pay this debt just as we're in need of an oil and gas supply that isn't Russia, but only a cynic would suggest that was why it was paid now, rather than the real reason, which is that Foreign Secretary and rubber chicken Liz Truss had just run out of reasons to post up selfies. As soon as Zahari Ratcliffe was on the plane home, Truss threw out a statement about just how well she did and congratulated British diplomacy that's only taken six years to kick in, alongside some new snaps of her face, which no doubt confused everyone reading the news to then see images of someone who looks like she should be detained. Maybe the debt wasn't paid to Iran in exchange for future oil possibilities, as that's what Boris Johnson went to Saudi Arabia for, insisting that when there, he would stick to his principles. But how do you keep to something you don't even have? I mean, I wouldn't promise to stick to my rigorous fitness routine, would I? Then again, maybe not having any principles is his principles, which indeed he then stuck to, although I guess it is very much part of his code to pretend he's being some sort of ethical champion by moving transactions about polluting fossil fuels from one human rights abusing dictatorship to another. Nothing says fuck you to tyranny quite like continuing to support tyranny. Just, you know, different tyranny. The Prime Minister said he would raise issues about human rights during his visit to Saudi Arabia and then they beheaded another three people while he was still in the country. Judging by what he did with Nazim Sahari Ratcliffe, that means there is every chance he did raise human rights and said something stupid along the lines of how losing your head is a great form of weight loss and that sealed those poor people's fate. It's these kind of actions that make so much of Johnson's story confusing. I mean, just days later at the Tory Spring Conference, he warned China not to choose the side of evil. But you have to wonder, is that because his friendship group is already full up and he just doesn't want to have to send out any more Christmas cards? Is the side of evil Russia? Because if so, as well as all the pals we know Johnson shares with Putin, on the night Russia invaded Ukraine, the Prime Minister was at a fundraiser dinner with another oligarch pal of the Russian president. Should China not side with them, as that would mean there'd be less dinner for Johnson at these events? What you have to understand is, according to Minister for Brexit Opportunities, Jacob Rees-Mogg, that the actions of the side of evil that I think is the one the Conservative Party get all their donations from and they're all friends with, that shows that all the Partygate stuff was fluff. Yes, you see, unlike Brexit, the Prime Minister several times breaking all the rules he made himself is the exact opposite of the situation in Ukraine. Which is funny, because Putin has often also broken all the rules he makes himself, but no, oh, that's different, is it? Oh, sorry, it's very confusing. Boris Johnson partying and doing nothing while people are dying from Covid is just silly trivial stuff you see, whereas Boris Johnson partying and doing nothing while people are dying in another country from war that his friend caused is very serious and important but not important enough for him to do much about it except tell other people not to side with the same people he sides with. The Met Police are now interviewing 100 witnesses to the Partygate events, which doesn't make it sound much like fluff, does it? Although it is the Met, so it's hard to say because they don't really seem to investigate any proper crimes anymore as it just depletes their workforce when they have to arrest themselves. Rees-Mogg says the situation in Ukraine shows the relative unimportance of things like rows about language, which must be why in the same interview he complained about woke culture. It's nice to have an admittance from his own mouth that he is, as a human being, if that is what he is, it's very hard to know, trivial fluff. His colleague, and how I imagine you might anthropomorphise an accident, Oliver Dowden, co-chairman of the Conservative Party, spent his whole speech at the Tory Spring Conference banging on about woke culture as well, so I assume by Rees-Mogg's standards he is also trivial fluff, which is starting to feel really unfair to fluff, because at least that is soft and usually contains some decent well-made material. No one could really tell what Oliver Dowden was on about though as he opened the conference as it sounded like the ramblings of a man who'd accidentally swallowed some laundry detergent thinking it was a glass of milk and was now just trying to talk through all the froth. At one point he said the privet hedges of suburbia are the privet hedges of a free people which must make the maze at Hampton Court really confusing for him. If you have to have a hedge to be free, why isn't he in Ukraine planting hedges to help everyone out? Does it mean that hedgehogs are indeed the idols of true liberation from oppression? And then what does that make cars? Dowden railed against environmental activists who block roads, but by doing that, aren't they saving hedgehogs and indeed his very heroes? 
So many questions, so few people asking them. And I'd love to ask Oliver Dowden why he thinks the Prime Minister is leading the free world and exactly where he's leading them to. Is it round the back where he can sell them some baggies before they carry on doing their job and he goes back to hiding in the shitter? So often, rather than actually do anything, the government just seem to claim that they are the best at doing things or leading everyone. So, you know, no need to prove it, it'll just show everyone else up. We're always in charge or beating or winning without ever actually taking part. And the government seems to be endlessly suffering from a narcissistic personality disorder, which makes me wonder if the true way around this is just by surrounding them all with mirrors and letting us get on with things while they fawn at their own reflection. Though, of course, Michael Gove's attendance would make all the others think they were in a hall of mirrors, which could cause issues. I think my respect for the government would grow immensely, you know, from 0% to at least 0%, if one of them was just brave enough to ever admit, yeah, we were shit with that, or no, he said a really fucking stupid thing, it was awful. But they can't, because without some ludicrous plot development points, they'd either have to be fucking awful people, or fucking stupid people, or fucking awful stupid people, to do any of the stuff they do. The Chancellor Rishi Sunak stated on them news programmes, I'm not going to say which one, you Google it, I'm not your dad. He said that the Prime Minister wasn't making a direct comparison between Ukraine and Brexit, he was just making general observations about freedom. But if that's true, which it's not, it's a really shit observation of the kind you'd usually find someone saying because they had to fill an awkward silence or were just on all the drugs. It's like saying a male prisoner finishing their 25-year sentence is the same as the famous comedy actor because they are both a freeman. Also, though, it's not true. You can watch the footage of Boris Johnson making a direct comparison between those situations and you can watch it loads and you will only ever come up with the understanding that he was making a direct comparison. Did Sunak see something different when he watched the footage? Maybe he had the monitor down so dark that he could only witness his own reflection and just keep playing with his quiff while being unable to hear any of the content unless his name was mentioned. It's a spring statement this week and it doesn't even seem like Rishi Sunak has a basic awareness of maths, let alone ideas that might help with the biggest cost of living crisis in 50 years. The Chancellor says his priority is to cut taxes, but he seems to be raising them first so that then at some point later he can drop them slightly and hope no one remembers the beginning of the year. Sunak can only ever help people out by making things worse and then dialing them back slightly, like if someone took you hostage and hit you in the legs every day with a hammer and then one day didn't and assumed you'd think they were now a saint whose kindness knows no bounds. The Chancellor says he will help with costs where he can, but he currently isn't reversing the cuts to national insurance or putting in any measures to cut heating bills. He didn't bother to retrieve 4.3 billion in fraudulent COVID loads or implement any wealth taxes, and so we have to assume there just isn't anywhere that he can help with, is there? I mean, why has he got the job? You have to wonder, don't you? Does he just look at the data for all the areas of the economy and think, oh, fuck, I don't understand any of that. I don't know what to do. And then he's only saved by his boss, the Prime Minister, doing exactly the same before they both get excited about a red briefcase. Maybe Sunak thinks that he is helping people with rising costs because by increasing their chances of dying from malnourishment or freezing temperatures, they then won't have to pay for anything ever again, making it very cheap for them. Well, of course, death is expensive and funeral costs are high, but then as long as their loved ones also die of malnourishment or freezing temperatures, they won't have to worry about it either. Sunak's plans for the NHS are to increase the amount they must save per year to £4.75 billion, which will really, really help the NHS deal with the annual deficit of £5 billion that they have. Again, though, by helping the NHS completely collapse, then it won't cost anything, right? The NHS won't have to spend anything if it isn't there, and no one's going to need it anyway when we're all dead. There's an indication that Sunak's going to make cuts to fuel duty, which is perfect for helping us end our reliance on Russian oil and gas and hit our net zero targets. It is really quite a skill to be able to have a plethora of options that might help everything and everyone, and still decide that what's going to be best is the one that doesn't do any of that, but will, for five minutes, generate a headline that makes you look slightly less of a prick. But I suppose that is what being economical is about to Sunak, not wasting time or money on anything that isn't about himself. 
Rishi says that he can't fully protect everyone. I mean, yeah, who do you think he is? The Chancellor or something? Health Secretary Sajid Javid said that normal people wouldn't think the Prime Minister compared Ukraine to Brexit, but how would he know when he's a potato with eyes? But, you know, actual eyes, not potato ones, which is sort of more weird. What exactly does he or the Conservatives think normal is, though? I mean, having a memory that would make a goldfish seem like a Mensa champion? Sajid Javid said he'd go to work if he tested positive for Covid, which doesn't seem like a thing a normal person would do to me. I mean, why would anyone go to work when they were sick, regardless of what it was? No one wants to find out their colleague is sneezing wads of brim across the room and that a new graph they've got is actually a carefully landed blob of phlegm. Javid says people should take personal responsibility, but if he's happy to infect everyone in his department, then he's not really doing that, is he? Unless they're all pricks and absolutely deserve it, I guess. In fact, if Sajid Javid is up for getting COVID and then running rampant around Westminster coughing into the mouths of all the other cabinet ministers, then perhaps that is the most personally responsible thing he could ever do. Javid finished his interview by warning that Vladimir Putin is a compulsive liar and so the situation in Ukraine is going to get uglier. Which is funny because based on what he thinks about Johnson, you'd assume the health secretary loved how much of a normal person Putin must be. The Conservatives are going to launch their two-year election campaign in May, which seems pointless when, like everything else, they could just launch it a few weeks before a general election and insist they've been running it for years and if you didn't notice, you're just not normal. The campaign is going to focus on saying that Labour is still affiliated with the rejected Nadia side character Jeremy Corbyn, even though he's not been party leader for two years and isn't even in the party anymore. By 2024, I'm sure that line is really going to have aged well with voters who they hope won't remember Partygate from just earlier in this year. Labour are the party of cancel culture, apparently, unlike the Conservatives who don't cancel things but make them extinct, which is much the same but makes the hunting lobby get aroused, so it's kind of okay. The other target for the campaign is net zero dogma, because what everyone in the country really wants is to die from climate change before we die from no food or heating. That's not cancelling the planet mind, it's just helping it to save costs. Perhaps all Labour or indeed the other parties really need to do for the next election is just work on their political storytelling and maybe prefix it with a small previously on trailer and maybe, just maybe, people remember that the current bunch are actually the fucking worst. Meanwhile, more than 150,000 people have signed up to the Homes for Ukraine scheme, which is amazing, but there is no central system of matching people to those in needs, charities and councils haven't been contacted or informed of what they need to do, and correct safeguarding procedures aren't in place. So it's likely none of it will work out, and the government will just use the information to find out who has compassion and try to find ways to stop them having a vote next time around. The Home Secretary Pretty Patel, whose list of things to put in Room 101 includes Smiling, Spring and the Make-A-Wish Foundation, says that they have to be careful about which refugees they let in because Putin will use Ukrainian women and children to infiltrate Britain. Seems like quite a lot of effort for him to do that when he's got Conservative MPs that already live here. Patel and Defence Minister and man who looks like in a film he'd always be the first to get possessed, Ben Wallace, was subject to prank video calls from someone pretending to be the Ukrainian Prime Minister but were actually, supposedly, from the Kremlin. I've no idea how convincing that person was but I have a feeling both Wallace and Patel would be convinced by anyone who said, it's me, the Ukrainian Prime Minister, and then I doubt they asked any further questions because he had an accent so it seemed right. The hoax caller did also try to call Culture Secretary and woman perpetually falling out of a cab, Nadine Doris, but failed because it turned out there is absolutely nothing better for national security than a minister who likely heard her phone buzz and was genuinely unsure if she was in or not. It is a shame that they didn't get to speak to Doris though, as just this week she asked Microsoft when it was going to get rid of its algorithms, and I can't help but feel that a short conversation with someone pretending to be the Prime Minister of Ukraine would have involved her saying, but we have a Prime Minister here already 400 times, before he then bashed his own brains out on the desk to spare himself any further conversation, and the UK's security was protected. Still, it must be very confusing for those cabinet ministers to speak to someone who isn't what they say they are and then realise it's a security threat and not just someone that would really fit in at number 10 in an instant. 
In other news, P&O Ferries have fired 800 of their British staff to replace them with low-paid foreign agency workers in a move that does the impossible and almost makes the time flukeworm man Chris Grayling gave millions to a ferry company that had no ferries almost seem sensible. The company aims to fire and rehire because they've misinterpreted what it means to be a cross-channel. The Department of Transport knew this would happen 24 hours in advance, but put nothing in place, possibly because that would have meant explaining to certain members of the Cabinet what the channel is and how the sea works without the Justice Secretary in living silence of the Lambsmast Dominic Raab getting really confused and Priti Patel immediately trying to arrest any workers leaving the ships in case they were illegals. The new workers are going to be paid just £1.80 an hour, which is somehow OK because the company's owned in Dubai. And so with the government offering little help, the only thing to really do is everyone boycott the shitty P&O and show them what the term ferry terminal really means. While all the British P&O staff lose their jobs, the government have secretly dropped their plans to place limits on MPs' second jobs, which is bullshit as most of them can't even do the first one properly. The Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee has branded the Festival of Brexit a waste of public money and says it's set for failure. I'm not sure what they're upset about, to be honest, as it sounds like it'll fit its brief perfectly. Former Prime Minister and constant arsehole David Cameron took to boasting online about how he's been working in a food bank, something that shouldn't need to exist if it wasn't for the years of austerity he inflicted on the country. It's a bit like Darth Vader offering free counselling to anyone who suffered the loss of a loved one in the destruction of Alderaan. Cameron is now driving a lorry to Poland full of supplies for Ukraine, and while I hope the supplies get there, I also really, really hope David Cameron gets stuck at a British customs border for at least two to three days and has to shit on the roadside just for some karma. Covid hospital numbers are increasing again all around the UK, but at least if you're one of the ones who gets admitted because of it, you won't have to have your heating on for a few days, so you know, maybe that's how the government are helping. And lastly, just to really cheer you up, both the North and South Pole have suffered a massive abnormal heatwave in the last few days, despite them being in opposite seasons. Still, we've got to be positive about the imminent destruction of the planet, and if those two opposites can work together despite the differences, then there's hope for the rest of us. And hey, think of all the money we'll save, right? Right? Hey! That is a very mini episode this week. Nay, fun size. Even though, as we're all aware, fun size for smaller size things. It's very much conservative slogan territory, isn't it? Um, yeah, so just that intro bit, really, because it is the kid's fourth birthday tomorrow. Four! She's four! I know! Where has that time gone? Oh, in about a billion lockdowns. That's where. Um, and we had a party for her yesterday, and basically letting 24-year-olds run around like loons. A proper definition of chaos. It has completely ruined me. I have no brain power left. Um, I can't tell you how many times it took me to record the intro. There are so many stumbled outtakes that are going to have to happen. Um, but I've basically just got enough uh, brain power to eat all the leftover bits of cake and jam sandwiches, which I think should last me the week, hopefully. I'm pretty sure they're all untouched, but I also have a feeling by Friday I'll have a combination of chicken pox hand foot and mouth and Covid all at once so we will see how it goes um, it was great fun though, it was a proper like party in a council run leisure centre like in the old days like I had as a kid, set with worse soft play when I was a kid um, and uh, and my daughter had a proper best time so it was all very very worth it, she finally got a birthday um, even though I have to say as I was writing my list of things to remember uh, to bring to the party it contained knife, a lighter and bin bags and I was very worried that if I was arrested with that on my phone they'd think I was plotting something awful um, or they think I was a member of the police very hard to say uh, but I'm very pleased that we didn't decide to just insist that birthdays are always like the last two years where, which was just sort of three of us sat around a table in lockdown feeling sad uh, but that would have been cheaper as well and it would have meant there weren't so many leftover jam sandwiches that I'd have had to eat and um, you know as a diabetic it sort of becomes less of a fun thing more of a, a cruel punishment so anyway um, big thanks to Freya, Connell, Loretta and James for the Kofi donations this week you goddamn champs uh, and if any of you would like to donate 
donate um, to what I'll probably have to use for insulin beyond what my prescription can provide after all the jam sandwiches and cake, then please do that at ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro or join the patreon.com forward slash parpolbro. Um, and, you know, all the other usual shit. I haven't got time. I haven't got the brain. Review, tell people, do a dance, comb your hair. Um, oh, uh, the only other thing is the kids' politics show that I do with Tatum at Simple Politics is touring again from next month. I'm going to be posting things about it very soon, but we're in Bury St Edmunds at the Theatre Royal on April 14th, the Palace Theatre in Watford on April 23rd, and hopefully Waterman's Arts Centre in Brentford on the 24th too, and then there are other dates after that. And yes, we last toured the show in uh, March 2020, so we've had to rewrite quite a bit. Um, and yes, it's a kid show, it's a family show, so it doesn't have anywhere near as much swearing as this show, and it's sort of politically neutral. Um, yes, it's very hard to do, and maybe I say swears in my head while I do it. Maybe. Right, uh, back to normal next week, hopefully, if I can get an interview in uh, in between the jam sandwiches and cake. Till then, all I got to say is... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And 
that's it for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. You know the drill, but once you've stopped boasting about your hardware knowledge or trap music intel, why not tell others about this here podcast and get them to tune in too? And if you can afford to, do send some of that cash you've got to uh, help me justify the time I waste on this show by donating to the Kofi or by joining the Patreon. Or if none of that works for you, why not try leaving a review of the show on one of the podcast sites that exist in the many folds of the internet sphere? Yabu, thanks to Acast, my brother last skeptic, and Cat Day. And this will be back next week when Rishi Sunak announces the best measures to help people with rising costs is just to make everyone homeless so they won't have any house bills to pay anymore. Though, of course, there will be ground rent charges because he can't help everyone, you know. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by Dowden's Freedom Hedges. Does your large front garden for your large house feel at threat from cancel culture heathens? With Dowden's Freedom Hedges, he will pop by to install large hedgerows until no one can get near your front door with their woke attitude, because it'll all be fucking hedge. Show them what real freedom is like, as to even pop to the shops, you have to scratch your eyes out on branches, leaves, and an irate squirrel will try to bite your face. Dowden's Freedom Hedges, a real political thicket. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.